Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas, and we are visiting with Scratch Labs athlete. Gosh, how do you describe yourself, Hillary Allen? <laughs> well, born and raised in Colorado, but I'm just a mountain enthusiast. How about that? Mountain enthusiast. Okay, I like that. <laughs> so you do all sorts of crazy things, though. You don't just specialize in snow sports or trail running or climbing. <laughs> nope. I kind of, well... I do a mix of them all. Um, I do a bit of backcountry skiing in the wintertime. My main focus is trail running, but um, mostly steep mountain terrain. That's my favorite. And I like to mix in scrambling and rock climbing. I'm a beginner rock climber, but scrambling is really fun. Um, as many 14ers as I can do, um, ridge lines, just anything outdoors and in the mountains. What's the difference between climbing and scrambling? So climbing is typically uh, with a rope. So scrambling is just on um, kind of less steep angled rock faces. Um, Typically, um, you don't need a rope, but it's, I don't know, fifth class. So anywhere anywhere in there so technically i mean it's it's like there's up to like five four five five some people might need so we're not talking hikeable but you're also not roped in and no so it's kind of dangerous but i mean (laughs) if you're comfortable with exposure and which i'm you know i'm getting more comfortable with it's actually really fun and it's a great way to get in a lot of climbing so do you have a typical day in the life of (laughs) well yeah, that's actually an interesting question. I actually just finished um, my master's degree. So typically my day was run super early in the morning and go to a chemistry lab all day and work. Um, but now I teach chemistry and biology like two days a week. So all my classes are kind of mixed on those days. So d- Do you basically... teach at the university? Uh, no, it's at Front Range Community College. Oh, you so, do? Okay. Yeah. So eventually, hopefully, I will teach there. But mostly, honestly, like priority number one for the day is where am I going to run? <laughs> so what am I going to do for that day? Yeah. So where are you going to run? That That's a great lead in to our next question is where have you spent the last 30 days running? <laughs> well, actually, it was less than that. It was about, I think it was 10 days total um, and nine, eight days of running. Um, but I was in Haiti running across the country. And what? How did you get the idea of doing that? Well, so I'm a North Face athlete as well. And so they um, they presented me with this idea. Um, there's kind of a, it's called Further. It was an expedition basically teaming up with this um, organization on the ground in Haiti um, that basically raises money for families there who have been affected by the earthquake. And they kind of presented this as a random idea like, hey, are you interested? And I absolutely it was, I was how could yeah. you not be <laughs> exactly it was and like no other place i'd run before and 
yeah, I just it just looked like a really cool project. What was that like for you to go to such a different climate, though? I mean, it's been it hasn't been the coldest winter here, but still, it's very dry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool temperatures, if not cold. Yeah. Going to sea level, super high humidity. Oh yeah, that was definitely a worry of mine. Um, because yeah, like I've lived here in Colorado my whole life, so dry climate is what I'm used to. Um, I actually took Alan, Alan's advice, Alan's from Alan Lim. Yeah, Alan Lim, exactly. Um, so he gave me like a salinity test basically to, to measure my salt output in my sweat so that I could replenish properly. Um, and he told me to hop in the sauna. So I would basically just do my run, like in my running tights outside in the cold and snow, and then immediately go to a gym and hop in the sauna for like 30 minutes just to try to like acclimate in some way. And it actually worked fairly well. Um, I really had no problems uh, in the heat. Of course, it was it was kind of uncomfortable. Definitely wasn't what I was used to because I think two days before I left, I was skiing. (laughs) And then then it's by seven in the morning. It's already 80 degrees there. So it was quite a shock. But honestly, the 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 sauna training, it helped at least a little bit. How did you carry your supplies, food? Actually, how far did you run each day? It was around 30 miles, wasn't it? Yeah, so um, some days, one day was around, a couple days were around 20 miles. Um, Most of them- Okay, so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Easier, I mean, I did look forward to those days. Um, Then it was like 30s to mid 30s, and the last day was um, 50 miles. So that was, and that's an interesting story there, but yeah, that last day was was a doozy. Um, did that include pig hurdling? <laughs> yes, actually. No, wait, did it that day? I can't remember. They're all blurring together. It was either the mid-30 day, 30-mile day, or the 50-mile day where I had to hurdle a pig in the city. I can't wait to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to tout the movie, but that just brings to mind Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so how did you pick your route? Um, so basically Haiti, Haiti is a very underdeveloped country. There's not a lot of infrastructure. The roads themselves are actually very poorly, poorly sustained and poorly built. So we actually stuck to the roads and some of those roads were actually more like trails. Um, logistically, although I'm, you know, I'm a trail runner, I'd prefer to run on trails. Logistically, we just couldn't because there was no drinkable water. Like it wasn't safe for us to basically go on the trails and and link parts of the country together because we wouldn't be able to you know drink or eat you know the foods that we needed so we stuck to the main roads and basically just took a a shot from cap haitian which is the northernmost city and then um kind of went along the coast to port-au-prince and then down south to jacmel which is the other the the southernmost tip of haiti um so we were basically just on roads the whole way which is interesting. It was definitely a challenge because I don't usually run on roads. Was that hard on your legs, feet, knees? Um, no, actually, it wasn't. I was. I I trained a little bit more specifically for it. Um, but I mean, I just love running, and on, I had I really had no problems. I was quite surprised. Um, I had like a little like a couple little blisters on my feet. Um, you know, pop those and then just keep running. <laughs> but my legs and my muscles actually felt really really good you d- I got in the groove you know on on the fourth day and I kind of just got in my paces and I could just go 
Did so. you have a support crew with you? Medical yeah. crew, film crew? Yes. So we had all of those, all of the above. We had a uh, we had a support crew. So it was every five to ten k. Ended up being every around every ten k that I would see them. In fact, I was I kind of just I get in the zone when I run. And I just kind of go and I don't like to stop. So I carry my own water and food. Um, you but don't of course, scratch. Uh, what? You're on scratch. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I had to have that. I think that's what saved me because I was sweating so much. Um, but so like every, you know, every 10K, I could like re like add another scoop of my scratch and then keep going. Um, but honestly, sometimes I would outrun the support crew. So I was just kind of running by myself and the course was marked ish. But um, there was a couple times where I was just running. I was like, well, I hope I'm going the right way. I guess they'll come and get me if I if I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> what did you eat during the day? Um, honestly, I just had my like the scratch in my water bottle and the gummies. The, That's all you did for calories. The fruit, the fruit drops. Yeah. And the most amazing part was is that I actually didn't get sick. Like I never you never get sometimes I get that feeling of, oh, man, I can't have this flavor anymore. I actually never had that feeling the whole way. And then, yeah, that's honest. That's all I had. And then what about breakfast, dinner? Did you oh, bring your course. own food? I no, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I did mean during the run, okay. but. Yeah, so um, so basically we would run. There were a couple times where we stayed like, kind of at a, at a church that was basically just an open an open structure that we could just sleep in. So it was basically kind of like camping. Um, so I brought my own breakfast for those things. So I we would get up early and... Um, you know, have like a bar, like a peanut butter and bread or something. And then we would run from city to city and either stay with families who would cook for us or um, at a hotel, which is some of the hotels are kind of a stretch, but um, they're nice for Haiti standards. So we would, I mean, it was, it was still an experience. I loved it because every little town was different and every little, um, every little place we stayed in had its own little charm. Um, what was your reception like? Oh, People the, oh. excited to see you or? People were confused. Like, people do not run there. No one runs there. You never, like, they're not, they're running in, if they're trying to, like, catch a ride from, like, a tap tap, which is our equivalent of a taxi cab, um, they don't run. So I was, like, I was, you know, I was the first person that these people would see as I would go into, from town to town or, like, along the side of the road or on this little trail along the side of the road. And honestly, I had more often than not people stopping to ask me if I wanted a ride and like, where are you going? So I learned a couple of Creole phrases to be like, no, I'm okay. Like I'm going to like, I'm running to Jock Mel. And they're like, you're crazy. <laughs> so mostly people were confused, but as soon as you engage them, they are like super excited for you. And yeah, they, I mean, some of our translators, you know, told them while we're there and why we're, you know, running across Haiti, um, which is basically to get awareness and um, raise money and um, for for local families affected by the earthquake there. So then they were really psyched. And why did North the North Face zoom in on Haiti? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, so typically, I mean, North Face is is all about you know they're I mean the main the main motto of the brand is never stop exploring, which I embody rather well, <laughs> I think, because um, I love to go to new places. And I think Haiti is a place that they haven't, no one really has explored because either they're A, afraid of it or B, like, they just, I mean, it's not typically like a, a destination place or they don't really think of Haiti as a place to kind of explore and 
um, to do sports and that kind of stuff. So I think that was a real opportunity for North Face to prove that, yeah, Haiti is beautiful. It's a place to visit. It's a place that a lot of cool expeditions can take place. There's a lot of, there's a lot of very interesting, um, there's two mountain ranges that we crossed over and it's a quite a beautiful country. Um, and then the other aspect of that is not only the exploration, but that it's a place that still needs help. And there needs to be a little bit more of a spotlight on this country and the communities within it so that more people can go there to to help stimulate the economy and, you know, help help things change a little bit there. We're visiting with Hillary Allen talking about her run across Haiti. And again, you planned out the route how much logistics went into this what what was the length of planning so um the organization it's called team tassie that's basically the organization on the ground in haiti that has been raising money for for families so they they did a lot of the planning um so basically they just kind of did a trial run last year to see if it was actually possible um basically just mapped out on the roads from Cap Haitian to Jacmel to see, okay, like, can we do this? Where would each leg of the race be? So this year there was still quite a bit of organization. There's some snafus. Um, and you know, cer- certain days we're like, Oh, we're going to run 20 today. And it turns out to be like 25 or, <laughs> Oh, we're going to, you know, it always turned out to be longer. It seemed, <laughs> um, but we we had a general um, idea of where we were ending each run each day based on, where we needed to get to to stay with a family or at a certain a certain um, hotel so there's quite a bit of planning um through that but that was mainly happening last year because this run is still is still definitely growing um but it was, a compl- it was completely new to me i mean i had no idea i could look at a map and be like okay cool i'm going from point a to b but i had no idea what to expect um and the diversity of the terrain that we covered or the climates that we covered was insane we were running and you know it was always super humid and super hot but you know we were in the forested mountains and it was kind of cooler at the top and then you come down on the southern side and there's so much deforestation that they've basically changed their climate into a desert so it's just dry and there's dust everywhere and um just because you're they're they're choosing between um i never would have imagined i know right it's it's it was insane to me it changed like at the drop of a hat like you look i was literally looking one way to um to the mountains on my left like up north forested tropical and then on my on my right to the south it was just decimated and just desert and you could rolling hills and no trees anywhere it's basically because they're they're cutting down trees so that they can actually cook and have some sort of heat and fuel um, because there's no electricity, there's no running water, um, besides that, you know, certain, you know, s- certain well-established places. So yeah, that was interesting. So how did it end up that your last day sounds like it might've been the hardest? It was at least the longest. Yes. So definitely. And by that point, um, actually the last two days were very hard, um, so okay so there's definitely there are a couple aspects that made it extra difficult for me in particular um so the second to last day we had 30 30 miles and i woke up 
And that was, the, and I had been feeling in a groove, but then that day I woke up and I was like, oh man, I feel like absolute crap. Like, I don't know what's really? going on. Yeah. I felt horrible and just, you know, stomach upset. I just didn't feel good. And I thought I was like, oh, okay, I'm just tired. Like we had had a rest day. And so, you know, it's like, oh, hey, the cobwebs, like I'm just going to run out the cobwebs. Well, you know, didn't, didn't help. I started running in 10K and I still felt like crap. And actually on that run, we started really early again. And so it was before sunrise. And I remember I was almost to the 10K point. So I was, I was wanting some water. And all of a sudden out of the bushes, two dogs came running at me and they're like nipping at my heels and like barking at me. I was like, oh my God, of course, the only shot I didn't get was rabies. Like I'm going to die in Haiti. <laughs> and... Thankfully, one of our medical uh, our medical support um, doctors, which we had two of them, and they were on a bicycle kind of sweeping the course. So he came, he like scared them away. But of course, that was like, you know, 5.30, 6 a.m. in the morning. And of course, I'm already crying because I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> um, anyways, I finished that run. And that, like I said, it was about 30 miles. Turns out I had about 100 degree fever. Um, and it was already, you know, it, we were running well into the heat of the day. And so that's that's why. Like, I, li- I literally couldn't rehydrate myself enough. And so the structure was then we'd have about 12 hours recovery time. And then the next day we were going to run our 50-mile leg. Well, in the course of about, hmm, like two hours or three hours maybe, uh, my fever spiked to 103 degrees and I was throwing up and I couldn't keep anything down. I literally had nothing in my body. I like, I could not even, I could not even move. Like I was just cramping and just, I felt horrible. Um, so the doctors were, you know, they told me I couldn't run. And of course there's, there's few times in my life where I actually like running is the last thing I want to do. And that was one of those moments. And I think I can count those times on maybe one hand. Um, so I was devastated because this trip was huge for me because I'd never run that far ever. I'd never run. I was just going to ask, yeah. how do you train for that kind of mileage for eight days in a row? I mean, you don't. I'm a low mileage person. So I, I was training, you know, 80 miles a week here in Colorado on the snowy trails to run 230 miles in eight days in the heat. And I was doing just fine up until that point. So I was, I was really wanting to see if I could do this and, and, you know, just to prove to myself that I could that I could do this. So I was really devastated when they told me I couldn't run. But um, I so I was there with like there's a camera crew there filming um, to promote, you know, the story on the ground of Haiti and then also a North Face uh, North Face side of it. So I was staying a couple extra days with these guys. So they, we came up, actually, I came up with this plan. I was like, guys, I really, like, it was literally, you know, after my fever broke and I was still recovering, it was literally like an hour after I was feeling better. I was like, I want to run. Like, I really want to run. And so they're like, okay, like, calm down. How about you take today and tonight to like recover and, you know, rehydrate, do all this stuff. And then we'll come up with the plan. So we decided that I was going to do the run by myself, start at at 1 a.m., similar to how it was supposed to be structured. But this was about one and a half, one and a half, two days later after I had recovered, or so I thought. (laughs) And then um, basically I started at 1 a.m. and the camera crew was like following me in a truck, like lighting the way for me. And basically was like my bodyguard because I had to run through some pretty dangerous parts of um, Port-au-Prince. and yeah, ran like a flat marathon to the base of this mountain pass and then 
this awesome mountain pass over to Jockmel, which was my favorite because I love climbing. And actually, everyone was saying to me, they're like, oh, Hillary, you're really going to love the, you're really going to love the train. It's really steep. You know, the, the roads are really steep. It's really. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Great, I got there and I was like, oh my gosh, this is flat. But I still love it. <laughs> so maybe my idea was skewed. Um, but yeah, so everything was going according to plan. I was feeling strong. And then all of a sudden at mile, it was probably around 26 or 30, I got this really gnarly cramp in my quad. And um, I had to kind of stop and like rub it out and, um, you know, see if I could actually recover. So then I had to slow down my pace quite a bit. But I ended up, um, I still ended up finishing with this gnarly, this gnarly cramp in my quad, which was due to me being dehydrated. You know, like I, you never, you don't really, I, I, I mean, I've never been that sick. I've been that sick maybe one or two other times in my life. And I wasn't running at that point. So I was just chronically dehydrated and I totally underestimated that, um, and then you had to do 50 miles the next day. Yeah, of course, because I really wanted to finish. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, so I don't know, like the cramp and all, like had to like walk part of it, walk, run. Um, I had the camera crew there like filming me as I was crying and like trying to get through it. But I ended up doing it and my time actually wasn't that slow. So I was pretty happy with it. <laughs> now, camera crew's got to be motivating. I mean, they're, they're documenting what you're going through and it's oh, like, yeah. I really can't quit. Well, and you know, I mean, I know that's part of your makeup anyway, but that yes. just seems like even more. And I think they were eating this up because they're just like, whoa, like they thought I was done. Like when, cause they, like I was sharing a room with them. Um, and so of course, when they found out that I was sick, there were like camera in my face, like of me just, you know, on the bed, just being like, oh my gosh, I feel awful. Drama. I know, exactly. <laughs> so I created a quite a good storyline for them, but honestly, I think they thought I was done after that point. And, um, I think that, yeah, they were definitely, they were definitely motivating. I couldn't have done it without them literally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a different motivation, I kind of got annoyed with the camera being in my face because I've never had that happen to me before. 
but I mean, it's we're kind of like a whole little community and family, like all in it together. So I wanted to do it for as much as like, my sake to prove that I could do it, and also to like to give them a good story. <laughs> now, the quad cramp immediately takes me to the pig hurdle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe so that you had to was jump a big pig with a bad leg. Yeah, well, actually, without the pig having a bad leg, with you having a bad leg. Yes, I mean, in my mind, it was a hurdle, but maybe if someone from the outside was looking at it, it was kind of like, what is that girl doing? But, um, <laughs> so, maybe, was this even, I think this was before the, the quad cramp. Oh, it but was. Maybe, oh. But so maybe that was what caused the quad cramp. Who knows? But so the cities we were running through, like, they are busy. So these, like, everyone is there. You know, they have their their fruits that they're selling to everyone. They have their little stands. And there are zero traffic laws. So you don't even want to run in the street because they, like, it's a two-lane road. And they use it as, like, a five-lane highway. <laughs> so, and there's motorcycles that have four people minimum on them. And they're zooming along in the bike lane. so And they're not used to seeing a runner. Exactly. So it was quite dangerous. Like, that's also what was stressful about running in Haiti was... Usually when people describe, oh, this running high, like you go, you run, you get this kind of zen feeling you, you know, well, at least for me, (laughs) like you, you know, I can clear my thoughts and it just feels good. But in Haiti, I always had to be on edge because I was going to get killed. I was going to get hit by a car if I wasn't careful because they, they weren't looking. Um, So even if they were like pulling over to get a passenger, you know, on these tap tap cars, they, they could care less if I was there running. Like, they, they didn't understand. They maybe thought I was running to come get on the tap tap. <laughs> um, but so these cities, they're just busy. So I tried to run on the sidewalk, but the sidewalk is basically like the marketplace. And everyone's trading around. So, I mean, it was kind of like trail running there. I was, like, juking everyone and, like, trying to run side to side um, and trying to avoid the street. Scrabbling. Yeah, maybe like <laughs> I could have actually. Maybe that's how I should have done. The- <laughs> go over the pig. Um, so I come around this corner, and um, li- literally there is a pig as long as the sidewalk. This it, it's I, I have so he's no blocking the whole thing, blocking the entire thing, and he's attached to a leash. I have no idea if it's this guy's pet or what. But the other added aspect is he's like. I see this happening and this pig is just stuck. He is not moving and he's peeing in the middle. And it's like a faucet. I'm just like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, and it's, of course, that end is going out towards the street. So I'm like, well, I'm sure as hell not going to run that way. And plus there's motorcycles coming. So I can't, I can't do that. So like split minute decision. I have to try to like hurdle the, like the most narrow part of the pig, which turned out to be like the head area. Neck. Yeah. I mean, hams at the back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like it's a pretty big pig. It's the biggest pig I've ever seen. And try not to piss this thing off because I mean, it looked like it was going to eat me. It was like huge. Um, So yeah, basically that happened. (laughs) And I mean, I saw pigs everywhere in Haiti, basically, because there's oh, trash. Did. There's trash everywhere, actually. So, you know, they're mulling through all the trash. But this is the first pig I saw that looked like it was someone's pet. Like, he had it attached to a leash. And he's just, I don't know. Was he just standing there? Maybe or? he was selling it. No, I have no idea. I was but thinking market. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But, I'm, yeah, I, it was kind of terrifying. <laughs> so, two dogs, at least. Yeah. Pigs. What other wildlife did you see? 
Um, well, in the city center, this was kind of a similar story, like going, this is through a different city, probably day three or four of the run. Um, I was going through another, another little marketplace, a pretty busy marketplace. And I was forced onto kind of the shoulder of the road and people are coming in from the countryside with their goods that they're selling and they're often carrying machetes with them. And so this lady was carrying a machete and it was kind of on, um, the roadside. And so I was passing her. Uh, and so she, like, we saw each other coming. And so she's trying to move her machete, like, onto the other side. And it actually, like, grazed my arm. And <laughs> at the end of the day, I was like, oh, crap. I actually have, like, a little a little scratch from that. Um, so I got my tetanus shot, thank God. But <laughs> so that, I don't know if that's wildlife, but, I mean. That would be a shocker. <laughs> I mean, just to see a machete in public. Uh, oh, and <laughs> exactly. And, it, yeah, it was commonplace, definitely. So, wow. I mean, oh, there, so my... What about um, in the mountains? I mean, oh. when you were on a trail, what kind of animals? Honestly, there's not... Wa- there are Chickens and um, roosters. The roosters are very confused. They were like, they they would make noise at all hours of the night and, <laughs> and morning. Um, and goats. There's lots of goats. I actually, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with this, but my nickname is Hilly Goat because I like to run up hills. So, like hilly goat like a goat i don't know so there's a lot of goats there so you know people were like taking pictures of me with the goats um but we actually goat is a very um it's delicacy in haiti so i actually ate goat meat so i don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing but i ate the wildlife so it's now a very spiritual animal (laughs) for you completely (laughs) (laughs) so how did you get involved in running in the first place i'm it's not rare, I would say, but for someone to find their sport that you're really, really good at and that you love, that's really become a career for you. Yeah, I'm, I actually, I think it is rare. Um, I, I feel incredibly lucky um, because I was actually a tennis player in college. So, com- you know, opposite, like, you know, basically matches would last a long time, upwards of three hours. Um but it's just sprinting, you know. So it's 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 a different, completely different sport. I've always been athletic, and I've you know grown up in Colorado and love the mountains. But you know, there's been runners in my family. I just never really liked running. And once I graduated college and I was burnt out with tennis, I needed I needed something else. And the simplicity of running appealed to me. All you need is your shoes, and you can just go. And so I started road running. But I never really liked it. It was never that much fun for me. Um, I'd always get up super early in the morning so I could be alone, like, with the city and kind of, like, watch it wake up. Um, and then I ran, like, I randomly started running, honestly, with these, these older ladies who had these records on Pikes Peak Ascent, which is just basically an uphill trail race um, from Manitou Springs to the top of Pikes Peak. Uh, she had the record on this in the 80s and so she's like Hillary I think you'd like trail running like you're built you know you're built more like a trail runner like we should try this out so she took me on the trails and immediately I was just like boom like I could just I had the ability to run uphill and I had never liked hiking because it was like too slow and I got bored and so if I could run on a trail I you know I I never knew I could do that and that was kind of the beginning of the end and then I promptly moved from the city in Denver to the foothills and then I was 
like that made my commute over an hour like so I was <laughs> but it was totally worth it because I you know I could I could run every morning and um be in the trails and do what I liked and then from there um I just started going longer and and you know farther and I re- that I finally discovered that this was a sport that I could just do. I, I, I got that feeling almost every day of just full abandon that I could just have so much fun and every trail was different and I was just astounded by where my two feet could take me. Um, and so I've actually not been doing this for very long. I've only been running trail running about three years and I signed with the North Face last year. So I've only been racing two seasons. And did you? Get your friend's Pikes Peak record? <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't done that race. I just, I basically did it on my own um, just for fun. And um, so just like an, like an easy pace run. And um, I mean, she's pretty fast. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe if I can, if I try it, I've got to challenge her somehow, right? <laughs> I think she would like it. She'd like it if I could keep up. <laughs> What do you? What was the most memorable part of your Haiti journey? Oh boy! Besides the pig and the machete and the dogs and the crying. Um, okay, bad question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it was just. There's was so there much. one just standout moment when you were running where you just felt amazing? And I don't want this to end. Um, I mean, there were a lot of moments where I was like, "When is this going to end?" Because I was like hot and tired. But no, actually. When I was in the mountains, um, every, and almost every time I watch the sunrise, that's my favorite part of the day by far. And it's really incredible to experience a country or a place, um, you know, at seven miles an hour or eight miles an hour. You know what I mean? It's it's incredible to to experience somewhere on foot. And you're, you know, you're not in your car, you're not driving around, you're out there in the thick of it. And that goes like experiences a new city or a new trail anywhere. Um, so even though my journey in Haiti was kind of a shit show, if I can say that, it definitely was. It's the internet. <laughs> like, you can say whatever you yeah, want. <laughs> it, like, it, was, it was challenging. Like I was actually sick when I went to Haiti, like had like a little sinus infection and, you know, out of my comfort zone completely never been to a third world country and then i got incredibly sick when i was there you know senses on end what was that i have no idea i might have eaten something i have i really have no idea what it was because it sounds like it spiked really fast and then went yeah. away so relatively I think I was, quickly exactly i think it was maybe two days all in all that i was sick um but yeah it was it cleared very fast so maybe food is the only thing I can think of or just water contaminant, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably what it was. Um, but honestly, like I wouldn't have changed a thing if I could do it again. I would I would go and suffer just like I suffered, because at the end of the day, like that's why I keep coming back to doing to doing this. These runs is because it's hard. It challenges yourself. You not only was I challenged physically, but I was challenged emotionally seeing, you know, the Haitian people and their living conditions but still they have this joy and they're still excited to see you um so all of that i, I wouldn't change it all like it's it's like it's they call it a suffer fest for a reason or like suffer better i don't know <laughs> so all yeah all of those moments it just created an ex- incredible experience how do you follow it up 
oh my god plan another expedition I don't know <laughs> pick pick another place to go explore I'm beginning to start um my racing season now so I'm I'm looking to log a lot more vertical vertical feet to train for um my races this summer I like to do sky races so these are races that typically have a lot of climbing and um basically the top of peaks along ridge lines really steep technical terrain so I'm excited to start training for that again do you think the massive amount of miles that you got in Haiti will that help you in your racing or do you feel it broke you down some you know um I think I had to be smart as far as recovering you know I've been back uh, since Wednesday so like you know not quite a week and I took it kind of kind of easy it's definitely important to recover but I think I actually will see a huge boost in my fitness from it just because it's it's those long slow miles a bit it was good for building my endurance um, and that's something that I really need because I'm doing my first 100k race this year and it's really mountainous 100k so I'm going to be out there a long time where is that that's in Spain in the Pyrenees yeah called the buff epic it's gonna have like what 110k so that's what 68 miles or something around there something i think sounds about right yeah and then it's gonna have around 27 to 28 thousand feet of vertical (laughs) so yeah long long days so two times up pike's peak Oh, yeah, totally. Well, from the bottom. Well, as it's 14, but so 20, I guess four times up Pikes Peak. So I did this thing last year um, in Boulder. It's a big thing. It's like the Boulder Triathlon. So you you ride your bike from Boulder to the base of Long's Peak, and then you run up or like hike up to the top of Long's Peak. And typically people go up cables route, so there's some climbing in there too. But um, I wasn't comfortable with like the, the cables route yet. Um, so I basically swam in like a river or something to call it a triathlon. But so basically that triathlon is 13,000 feet of gain. So it's basically like doing that, I guess, but all on foot. I don't know. It's, it's going to be insane, but I'm excited. What are some of your other races this summer? Uh, so my first, actually, when does your season start? Is yeah. It coming up pretty soon? In two months, yeah. Two, two months, months is okay. my first race. And I just realized that and I'm, oh, I'm terrified. So two months from today. So May 7th, uh, it's Transvolcania. So that means like trans across Volcania vo- Volcano. So it's in the island. It's on the island of La Palma in Spain. It's a really popular um, trail race, a sky running race. I've wanted to do it ever since I found out about it. So really excited. Um, and then I get a race in the Dolomites in June. And then that Buff Epic, the race in the Pyrenees in July. I might throw in a race in Portugal. I'm not sure. Um, or I might stay local and do a race here. Um, and then, ooh, Run the Rut in Montana. Oh, I love that name. <laughs> oh, it's amazing because it's rutting season. That's what I yeah, thought. I didn't I didn't yeah. imagine your entire tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that's in September. And then um, hopefully go back to race another race in the Pyrenees. So a lot of time in Spain this year. I spent a lot of time in France last year. You just have this superhero image. You know, you're junior college professor by day, and then all of a sudden you come out and you're just <laughs> this superstar in the mountains. <laughs> what do you tell your students? Oh, gosh, yeah. So actually, I mean, they've got to be some of your most ardent fans. <laughs> some of them are. I think a lot of them think I'm crazy because I have this, I mean, 
obviously I think you can tell from my enthusiasm talking about running. I have that same enthusiasm for science, if not more so. So they know I'm a super nerd. Um, but then I think they think I'm what a perfect superhero name. Yeah, super nerd. <laughs> yeah. But like they they definitely, you know, when I told them I was doing this because I had a sub, um, I had to have, you know, a couple subs arranged for the classes that I'd missed and I basically just gave them an exam. So, you know, they really loved me then. But they didn't know what to think that what I was doing. They're like, you're running how many miles in a week? And, you know, I just casually mentioned that I was a runner and I'm teaching anatomy and physiology. So that's, you know, perfect. I, I know all, you know, all the like with muscles. I'm always comparing the muscles and the tendons and everything to, to running. And so I think, I don't know, I think they're astounded and like in disbelief that I'm actually, you know, came back literally got off the plane on Wednesday night, had to teach all my classes on Thursday morning. And I just walked in there like, you know, nothing happened. They're like, we thought you'd come in here in a wheelchair. I was like, no, (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) Well, Hillary, I really look forward to following you throughout the season. And uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you today. Same with you. Thanks. Hillary Allen joining us at the Over the Top Studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.